listening to In Tune, a podcast series featuring equity research analysts from BMO Capital Markets. Our shows explore key emerging themes, trends, and issues which are important to our institutional clients globally. Hello, listeners. My name is Jenny Ma, and I'm a Canadian REIT analyst at BMO Capital Markets. Here with me today is Gaurav Mathur, who covers real estate from a thematic perspective here at BMO. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be diving into the hotly debated topic of office real estate. What's happening now as we all manage through the pandemic, our views on how office demand will evolve in the context of working from home, and the impact on the Canadian office rates. This podcast follows a thematic report we recently published on the office market entitled, The Jury is Still Out on the Office Sector which can be accessed on the BMO Capital Markets Research Portal or through the link on the podcast notes. In this report, we revisit a proprietary model that we developed last year to look at office fundamentals and how different factors affect vacancy rates and rental rates. So what we've done is taken this model and layered in some new assumptions coming out of the COVID pandemic to see what the impact may be on a lot of the Canadian office markets, but in particular, Toronto. The key takeaway from our report is that it's still too early to know how it's all going to shake out for office, but we are still believers not only in the need for office space, but also that the factors that made downtown office markets so attractive before will ultimately prevail in a post-pandemic world. In the interim, however, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Therefore, we think office REITs will have a hard time trading at or above NAV. So now let's dive right into our podcast. Well, Jenny, it's been month five of this entire work from home scenario and theme. So my first question to you is, how have you been and how are you handling this entire situation? Well, Gaurav, not surprisingly, it's been a huge adjustment. I'm sure it was the same for everybody else. But in the early days, it was a real challenge. You know, at the time, the market was melting down. My phone was ringing off the hook. My email is blowing up and I'm trying to stay on top of everything using just my laptop and iPhone from a corner of my dining room table with my kids running around in the background. But now that we are in the fifth month of working from home, things have calmed down and I've found a groove. But it was about month three when it finally sank into me that we're not going back to the office anytime soon. So I finally set up a proper desk and chair and extra monitor in a spare bedroom, which I'm really fortunate to have. But right now it seems to be working fairly well. What about you, Gaurav? I agree, Jenny. It did take me a few weeks to fully set up and understand how I would work through this pandemic. And everything seemed to be going really well up until last week when my two-year-old niece overturned her sippy cup on my laptop. That basically brought about the end to my entire work-from-home initiative. And I had to rush and figure out who could fix my laptop amid a global pandemic. So I know that I am ready to go back to the office. How about you? Well, it's yes and no. I I miss the pre-COVID office, you know, the rhythm of the day, the face-to-face interactions with colleagues and clients and, and having access to all the amenities in the downtown core. But we're not going back to that anytime soon. I'm not really all that enthusiastic about the office we are returning to from what I've heard. The time restrictions, the elevator constraints, 
social distancing from your colleagues and, and the inability to use things like the water cooler in the kitchen makes it sound, you know, more trouble than it's worth. So in that sense, I think I'd rather stay at home because it's easier. What about you, Garaf? I agree, Jenny. I do believe it comes down to individual circumstances. I live close to the office and I can walk over easily. And that's one of the reasons why I decide to live as close to the office as possible. But now if you read headlines, it does seem to be a lot of doom and gloom for the office sector. And if you extrapolate our experiences, how would you think about the entire work from home team and office tenants in the market right now? So when you're looking at the headlines and when you're looking at office read performance, it really suggests that the bears are winning here. But we think the honest answer is that it's simply too early to know you know, most of us haven't even gone back to the office yet. So we haven't gone through the exercise of how it's going to look and feel. And maybe it's not as bad as it seems. But overall, I would say employers in general are being very risk averse and not pushing employees to return to the office. And that's for a lot of reasons. The desire to avoid transit is going to be a headache for a lot of people. So in that sense, do employers then pay for parking? What about employees who don't own a car? Um, will employers be paying for Uber or taxi rides to and from the office? And then additionally, for those of us who are parents, it's not clear how school is going to look come September. So childcare is going to be an issue when you try to layer that with a return to office. So for all those reasons, we think that work from home is going to be extended, but it's still hard to know what it's going to look like in a post-COVID world. And you know, over the long term, I personally don't think the office sector is dead. And I think that in a post-COVID world, most people will adopt a hybrid work week where you go into the office only on certain days of the week when you need to and balance that with working from home on the other days. Um, what do you think? Absolutely. I do believe that the entire situation will need to be handled on a tenant by tenant basis. We've seen some tech firms come out and ask their employees to work from home indefinitely On the other hand, you have financial services firms who are willing to bring back employees into the office in a very phased manner. So there is this whole tech versus non-tech debate out there. But I still do believe that everything will have to happen on a tenant basis and even on an individual circumstance basis, given that people now are much more aware of their own needs in terms of health and safety, family, childcare, if you have somebody who is immune compromised and a bunch of other factors. Now, if you shift perspectives, how do you think investors should evaluate the Canadian office market? So a number of Canadian office markets have been exceptionally strong, and and that's provided a lot of strength and confidence in the office sector. But at the end of the day, I think what COVID's brought is a recognition that um, office is still a cyclical asset class that remains very much tied to the health of the local and, and broader economy. There is going to be a period during which office tenants will have to experiment with different ways of safely bringing back their employees in a way that works for everybody. So in that sense, over the near term, we don't expect office demand to grow. But we also do not expect tenants to prematurely vacate space either, you know, absent any financial difficulties on a one-off basis, uh, because tenants are going to have to take some time to figure out how to best operate in this new normal. Uh, And additionally, when we think about the things that we can't replicate working from our home offices are things that are human contact related, because at the end of the day, you know, we're social creatures, that's how we're wired. And we can't change that. We, we still have to collaborate 
We still have to get to know each other, our colleagues, our clients. And those kinds of relationships are built through face-to-face contact. So there's been a lot of talk about higher productivity in this work-from-home context, but we have to remember that's because, well, A, we were forced to do this really quickly and adapt, but B, we are using the in-place relationships that we've already built with our colleagues and our clients. It's only been a few months, so it, you know, for me, I wonder over a longer time period, you know, one year, two years, five years plus, as there is turnover, you know, how can you replicate these kinds of relationships when you haven't met these people in person? So, you know, when you think about that kind of collaboration, when you think about developing young employees, developing culture, all those things, I don't know how successfully that can be done when we're all sitting at home. But admittedly, COVID-19 is likely to permanently change some conventions around how we use office space. Uh, Notwithstanding the cloudy outlook, though, we do remain constructive on office, um, particularly for office properties located downtown, because we believe the reasons that made it attractive for so long prior to the pandemic are still going to be there when COVID-19 is behind us. Downtown is sort of the commonality that pulls people together and that people want to be congregating there. And that's where the transit networks still feed into. And that's going to be really hard to change. So Gaurav, when you look at our proprietary model and the factors that go into it, um, clearly the question that our listeners have is what is vacancy going to look like when we consider COVID? So how did you consider that in looking at the different factors that went into that model? When we first did the model last June, and for as an example, the Toronto downtown office market was 71% pre-leased. Now, when we looked at it, it was 82% pre-leased. That showed that coming into COVID, most of the downtown office markets, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and to an extent Ottawa, were in high demand by tenants, and there wasn't much space out there. So we looked at the construction pipeline, the upcoming supply. We looked at what tenants were looking for in terms of floor plates and how large they had to be. We even talked with the brokers around the street and around the country to understand how tenants were now understanding their space requirements and how many of those would come up for discussion, especially on tenant renewals. When we added all those factors in and ran our proprietary model, we realized that for the market to even extend to 8%, vacancy rates in, say, downtown Toronto, it would require a significant amount of clawback of space. In our note, we also looked at how sublease space has increased, and we realized that for the most part, it's a very, very small part of the inventory, and it hasn't had a material effect on the market just yet. Now, going forward, we do expect that there will be some fluctuations in sublease space, And that themselves will sort of come down to the vacancy rate line in your entire model. But for the entire gloom and doom scenario to be true, you would require a lot of things to go wrong in most Canadian downtown markets. And we're not there just yet. And a lot of brokers, a lot of tenants and the landlords that have provided us feedback have indicated that they're not reaching up to that point up until now. So... Just for a fact, brokers estimate that even if in the major markets, vacancy rates touch 10%, it'll still be an active market with tenants looking for space, business being done, leases being signed, and investors looking for quality office product out there. 
So Jenny, when we look at all the office tenants who are currently grappling with the situation, what does that signify for the office rates in your coverage? Well, as I said, I think there's still a lot of unknowns for office demand because on one hand, the work from home trend suggests that we need less office space in aggregate. But the need for physical distancing and the recognition that we may have swung too far on the pendulum in reducing the office square footage per employee should be a partial offset to that. I think that all this uncertainty puts pressure on deal velocity and pricing. For the office REITs, I think it means they will have a hard time trading at or above NAV for a while. The office REITs with significant exposure to tech-driven downtown markets were trading at a premium to NAV prior to COVID because of material growth expectations. And clearly, we're going to have to temper those expectations. On the leasing side, you know, six months ago, downtown office landlords in Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal were able to get the rents and terms that they asked for. I think now landlords will have to offer more flexibility, either in terms of lease term or pricing. The Canadian office REITs are in the fortunate position that they entered the pandemic with market fundamentals that were heavily in their favor. Vacancy rates uh, were very low. Rents were well below market. And even now, we still think there's a decent embedded mark-to-market opportunity from renewing leases at higher market rents. On average, when we look at the Canadian office REITs, they have about 10% of their portfolios rolling every year. And market rents are about 20 to 25% above in-place rents. So that would suggest per unit growth of 2 to 3%. Now, what we've done is that we've tempered our expectations in our models. So we have lowered our rent growth expectations. But that being said, because there's so much wiggle room in there, we're not actually expecting NOI erosion. So Jenny, given that the office rates have some runway up ahead, and the fact that most office landlords have reported high rent collections, how do you think investors should consider office allocations compared to other asset classes? Gaurav, you're right. The rent collections have actually been very healthy for the office REITs. Uh, Generally, they've been in excess of 90%. And that makes sense considering that most office tenants were able to transition their operations to work from home and maintain their business and cash flow and therefore their ability to pay rent. In fact, if anything, it's the ground floor retail tenants in the office buildings that have been problematic for the landlords because they depend so much on the foot traffic generated by the workers in those buildings. So it's actually been the retail tenants in the office buildings that have been pulling down the rent collection numbers. But that being said, we do think there will be some pressure on rent growth expectations. And accordingly, we've trimmed our estimates and our NAVs for the office REITs. But when you look at valuation for office REITs, it is quite attractive And it's at levels that we haven't seen in several years. That being said, we do think unit prices are likely to be range bound for a while. So we think that it's going to take quite some time to know exactly where office demand is going to settle out. It's going to take even more time for those data points to come in. So we think that for investors in general, this is an attractive entry point for the office REITs if you're bullish on office or if you think that office will be you know, we'll still be around in a post-COVID world. But we do think that right now the office REITs um, would be more appropriate for investors who have uh, a lot of patience and a longer time horizon. So this brings our podcast to a close. We'd like to thank all our listeners for joining us today. And to remind you that our report entitled The Jury is Still Out on the Office Sector 
is available on the BMO Capital Markets Research Portal or through the link on the podcast notes. Thank you everybody for listening and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Intune, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Intune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure.